You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. You know, healthy and alive. Uh, doing well. I'm just waiting one of these days you're going to come on here and you're going to sneeze right when I ask you that and say, oh, I got this right. terrible cold. <laughs> I'm just I'm not feeling it today. I got this flu thing going on. It's probably COVID. Yeah, right. You know, I yeah, heard a, yeah. I heard an interesting comparison this morning and it was, aren't you worried about the coronavirus? And the person said, I'm as worried about the coronavirus as I was about H1N1. Like that's about how much caution I'm giving it at this point, mm-hmm. at this point, because we do have a bigger crisis, according to the media, when it comes to COVID, right? But the numbers for H1N1, if you can remember back to then, or back then about, what, 12 years ago, the numbers for H1N1 are still, I almost want to say exponentially, but I'm not going to. <laughs> they're, uh, they're exponentially higher than what we're seeing now with COVID. So why are we making such a big deal out of this? And I believe it's social media. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would say I would say it's probably it's that probably media, media that's really that media. It. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> To give you an idea, in one year's time, uh, there's an estimated 16.8 million cases for H1N1 in in one year. So that's per year. So it's still in one year. No, just in one year. In one year. Just okay. In one year. All right. Well, that's an interesting statistic. So if we keep on with that particular track and we're comparing it to COVID, well, your state is supposedly having spikes now, right? Yeah, they're uh, they're saying uh, my state's one of the 18 states that's having um, a, a spike of coronavirus and whatnot. And conveniently, when I pull up the data to look at it, they don't list any of the recovered. They only list the number of infected and the number that have died. Uh, I, f- I found that to be uh, quite convenient for their narrative. Uh huh. You know, I was talking to somebody on the phone just a few minutes ago before we started, and they're telling me that, you know, we were talking about this whole COVID thing. They're out in Los Angeles. We were talking about this whole COVID thing, and they said, well, they don't know what's going on. The people in the health, you know, these health experts and these task force people at the White House, they don't know what's going on. And I said, none of them know what's going on because they've screwed with so many statistics to this point. They've tainted all all the counts. There's nothing you can do other than, say, clear all the numbers out and you have to start over and you have to do it legit Mm -hmm. because apparently you're testing and testing and testing and testing until someone finally tests positive. Like we know somebody that took. Uh, what was it? Two tests. And then the third, they took three tests. Two tests were negative, And then one was positive within yeah. the same day. It's like, well, which one is it? <laughs> so you can't right. you can't consider these things to be accurate. You mentioned there are 18 states. OK, so we have 18 states. Those states are and these are these are classified as, quote, red zone cases. OK, so if mm-hmm. you're Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas and Utah. Those are the 18 states. Funny. Most of those are red states. You notice that when I say red, I'm talking mm. politically. Most of those are red yeah. states. Interesting. Well, you notice so, this article. Do you notice where it's at, what what part of the website it is? It's the politics side. Oh, is this it? isn't about science or any of that stuff. It's politics. That's what it's listed I see. under. I see. So these states are being advised by the task force to roll back reopening. 
as if the mm-hmm. reopening has something to do with it. So it is mm-hmm. the politics mm-hmm. side. As if the reopening is what caused the spikes. No. How about it was the riots? How about it was the people that were out there protesting in the streets? If you even want to consider that accurate. I mean, when I say accurate, I'm talking with all the false tests, all the false positives on the tests. If you want to consider that to be you know, a spike, well, then how can you say that if it's not an accurate test? Like I said, we know somebody that took three tests in one day, two were negative, one was positive. So which one were they? And how can we even trust the tests anyway? Florida was reporting that some of their labs were giving 100% infection rates on their tests, on the, the test results. And then on top of that, others were saying 10 times the number were infected than were actually infected. And they were downplaying how many were negative results. So it, it appeared mm-hmm. there was a bigger spike than there really was. And if Florida was doing that, how do we know none of the other states or any of these other states weren't doing the same thing? You know, right. And we also know that some of these states are doing the legacy counting and they're doing the right. They're doing the uh, the overinflated numbers by contact trace. But the red zone and I'm doing the quotes, the red zone is defined in a 359 page report as those core based statistical areas and counties that during last week reported both new cases above 100 per 100,000 in the population and a diagnostic test positivity result above 10 percent. So we just talked about how they're overinflating the numbers. So if you have one person that's diagnosed and tests positive, then a contact tracer, if you employ a contact tracing method in that state, if a contact tracer gets to that one person who's been confirmed, be it through a legitimate positive or even a false positive, they're still marked down as a case, a confirmed case. They can then classify up to 16 additional people by their counting methods. They can classify an additional 16 people as being confirmed cases, even if they don't test positive or take tests at all. This is how they're getting the numbers. And the the other thing on this is it's legalese. If you look at how they're saying there's new cases, it doesn't talk about this is the number of people that were confirmed infected. It's these are the confirmed cases. Well, as we just pointed out, you can take multiple tests and if multiple tests come back positive, well, those are separate cases. So It's the same person that's infected. It's only one person. However, there's multiple cases. We've talked about this before. That's another reason that we can see the numbers spike uh, on top of the illegals that are coming across the border in some of these southern states. I know in my state, we actually have illegals come across the border in Texas and come up, you know, come up this direction. So, yeah, you know. How dare you, Bruce? It's somebody wanting to go to church that's causing the problem. You know, that's what it is. Ah, yes, yes. As we talked about it yesterday, somebody wanting to go worship and somebody wanting to sing at church. That's that's what's really caused it. Families have caused this. Right. Uh Families that have Uh stayed at home and use air conditioning. They're the ones that are really at fault here. Right. So the report outlines measures counties in the red zone should take. It encourages residents to, quote, wear a mask at all times outside the home and maintain physical distance. And it recommends that public officials close bars and gyms and limit social gatherings to 10 people or fewer, which would mean rolling back reopening provisions in these places. Okay, wearing the mask in public, that's not going to help you because it's not airborne. Okay, that's the first thing. It's okay. You can classify it as airborne as in it attaches itself to a droplet as in you sneeze or you cough or something. Okay, but that doesn't mean that it's airborne all the time. I love these people that go out there and they wear masks in their cars by themselves with the windows up. That's the type. There's no need for that. You don't need to do that. And as a matter of fact, we talked about how masks are large 
largely irrelevant anyway. If you want to wear one, if you feel more comfortable wearing one, then you should have that right to do so, of course. But the government, again, should not come in and mandate that you do this. It's not a government's place to mandate something like this. And you say, okay, well, if it's for everybody's protection, well, what does the government classify as everybody's protection? They could have done this during H1N1 all those years ago, but they didn't do it because they didn't have a narrative. So if you want to wear a mask, that's entirely up to you. But you shouldn't mandate that on everyone else, especially if the actual size of the virus is 200 to 1000 times smaller than what any mask can stop. We talked about this when we were discussing the masks and and logically how they don't work, right? Just on sheer logic alone, based on the scientific numbers, the real scientific numbers. The masks are about control, the psychological trauma of public health. When we talked about that, we worked in the masks as part of that process, right? The masks are a step in that tree of how you inflict pain on someone. That's what it is. Now you say, well, why do doctors wear them? Well, yes, they don't want to infect the sterile environment. Yes. But does it stop at all? No. Why do you think they call them N95 masks? 95% stoppage rate, correct? Yeah, it's, it's about that. I mean, okay, so the masks help against like bacteria and whatnot. It does not help against viruses. Viruses are, I mean, it'll help mitigate it if it's like, you know, spittle and whatnot. The virus is still going to get through the mask. Uh, you know, the, the N95s are 0.3 microns in size. The virus is 0.1. You know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it'll fit. And supposedly the virus that's been studied in labs, it's been studied and worked on in laboratories and investigated and researched and things of that nature. It's behind three sealed doors and people in pressurized suits. What reasonable sense would it make for a piece of cloth on your face to actually stop something like that? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. However, like I said, if you want to wear one, that's your choice. That's your choice. I'm not going to fault anyone for that. If you want to, go ahead. As the uh, sheriff of a certain county outside of Seattle in Washington says, don't be a sheep. Now, if it makes you feel more comfortable, if it makes you feel more, I guess, safe, then, I mean, like I said, that's your right. But governments shouldn't be stepping in and mandating that. And again, with this physical uh, this physical distancing, the social distancing, again, where did this start? We covered where this started in the first place. We covered where this came from. It was an idea of a 14-year-old kid, and now we're up to this point with it. Social distancing, arrows on the floor, areas marked out where you can't go, masks. This is all about developing a habit of compliance, enforcing trivial demands, right? Such as that. Social distancing, wear a mask, go here, follow this arrow, right? It's developing a habit of compliance. It's getting you used to the new way of doing things. So it's not about public health. Very important to understand. It's not about public health. If this was about public health, then they would be out there condemning the people in the streets, and they're not. They're cherry picking with it. If this was about public health, they would be exactly as you said, but they would also be trying to find a way to keep the economy open, to keep schools open, to keep things, life continuing as normal and yet being as safe as possible. Because we've talked about it before. The more we stay locked down, the more cases of domestic violence, the more cases of suicide, drug and uh, alcohol abuse goes up. So if they were truly doing this about health and, and safety, they would be looking at other areas other than just, well, we have to shut everything down. You have to wear a mask. Correct. You have to social Correct. distance. Right. Trump has come out and made a statement. He says, now we're open and we want to stay open and we will stay open. We're not closing. We'll put out the fires as they come out. OK, that's all you can do. Right. That's all you can do. If you look at the people that are promoting the agenda that want to keep... Now, we knew that the schools were going to be a thing, right? But you see what's happening in California? 
the teachers unions are coming out. The ones in Los Angeles are saying, well, uh, this is uh, we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to shut down all private schools. We're going to have to shut down all charter schools, all Christian schools. All those have to be shut down. See, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff has to be closed down, too. Now, what does all that have to do with public health? What's that got to do with it? See, it's not about that. It's about the political agenda behind it. And it's about getting the population to develop a habit of compliance. It caused a little bit of division as well, because by saying, well, we have to shut these things down, it gets the people that, you know, if they're on board with the left agenda, they'll be like, yeah, that's right. Church is the problem. You know, these these private schools, these, you know, Christian schools, they're the problem. And it kind of focuses on them and, you know, diverts you know, Mr. X uh, attention. Well, the fact is, is, yeah. And you see what people are doing too to the people that are in stores. You see what they're doing to them. The ones that Mm -hmm. don't wear masks, the ones that say, yeah, look, I'm not going to do this. And they just go Mm -hmm. in. What happens? They get publicly shamed. They get video. Mm -hmm. They get put on YouTube. They get put on Facebook and all this stuff for people to see who they are. One person sees someone doing it. Everybody starts doing it. These are the ones that are. (laughs) Well, all right, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole anyway. So either way you look at it, it is. Yeah, you're right. It's a tool of division. That's what it is. And as I said yesterday, they have to divide us from ourselves. It's not enough to divide us just in whole groups. It's not enough for them to do that. They also have to turn us against each other individually. So again, it's about making everyone a suspect. It's about you not trusting another person. The social distancing thing plays into that as well. Well, you can't be trusted to go around someone else. Think of their life. Think of this. If they actually cared about that, then they wouldn't be making a political game about it. So anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, In line with coronavirus. Out of our talks here, Mitch McConnell proposed a COVID liability cases to be taken okay. to the federal court. So they okay. want to open up federal court to to allow them to to uh, litigate these these cases. Okay, one of the biggest things that that I've kind of been preaching about since the beginning of this was we don't have any liability laws put in place for businesses. I think this is an important thing. Or is, is this the road that we need to go down? Because you need to give businesses some kind of protection here, because if not, they're just going to run wild with it. You're basing all the hysteria on cooked up numbers. I'm not saying there aren't real cases. I'm not saying that this is not a real virus. Never said any of that. Never said any of that. The fact is, is they've turned this into a political game. And so now you have people not only bribed to stay home from work and not go back to work with the paycheck protection. So they're getting an extra 600 a week to do nothing. So some people are actually making more money staying home, not working. But businesses themselves that want to reopen, they're the ones that are in in danger of getting sued here. So you're saying that this legislation will kind of see to that, what will kind of aid in that? That That's the intention. So they, they basically want to make um, the defendants, it's not really immune, but more protected versus this kind of thing. This covers things like schools, uh, businesses, healthcare providers, uh, non-profit organizations. Uh, it, it'll, it'll provide them legal protections from that. Um, we know how too happy everybody is, you know, these, these lawyers can be. Yeah. So, uh, just the court dues would, um, yeah, that, that could tank somebody, especially with no income, you know, you're shut down, you're, or your incomes are reduced at least because of the reduced capacity rules that some States have. So I, I think it's a good idea, uh, to propose something like this. The problem I have with it is, um, getting the federal government involved, uh, obviously this will also, let's see, it says, this is a quote from uh, Mitch. 
It says this will protect hospitals, doctors, nurses, businesses, universities, colleges, K through 12, and everyone dealing with coronavirus who acted in good faith. So that's basically if you're doing precautions to protect your business, you should be essentially immune if you're following the guidelines, uh, mm-hmm. is my understanding of it so far. And we've kind of talked about that. And honestly, that I, I think that should be a temporary immunity uh, given yes. because yes. Let's, let's propose something here. Let's say you're, you're in a red state, red city, or your business is, you know, leans to the right a little bit. And you have someone in that is of an activist group that decides to sue you because they have a a slight cough or something. I mean, we haven't seen this before, right? The Christian bakeries that that said they're not going to bake a cake for the homosexual couples. Yeah. uh Yeah. Some of those were activist groups that came in and specifically targeted the groups. Same thing could happen here. Um, so I, I think this is a good step. At the same time, I'm concerned with federal involvement. You know, I, I do believe. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm concerned about the level of federal involvement here. But I do believe that it's the business's right to make the decisions based on what they believe is best for them and let the market sort out the rest of it. So if you have a business that wants to open and says, well, we're kind of concerned about this. Well, if you want to implement safety procedures going off of CDC guidelines, which certain business is doing that. Bruce, I showed you the photo that uh, that was sent to me about an hour ago. So mm-hmm. if you want to do that, then that's your choice as a business, regardless of what the patron thinks about it. If you ask the patrons to do that, then they have to follow that or they don't frequent your establishment. So the only issue here is stopping the lawsuits from happening, right? Because you don't want to, you've got businesses hanging on by a thread as it is, small businesses. You certainly don't want to put them into bankruptcy court just by doing that. If you've got someone that's just trying to stay open, let's say that you've got a small restaurant, you only employ four people. Well, you're one lawsuit away, not even from a payout, just from a litigation standpoint and filing, then you're one lawsuit away from closing your business. And that's not right. So yes, they do need the protection. The other issue that I see with just trying to sue someone in general over COVID-19, how are you going to prove you acquired the the disease from a certain business? Because if you, you travel can. multiple places in one day, yeah, how can you? And the other thing is, is uh, supposedly it's a risk of having the air conditioner going, right? So yeah. who's to say you weren't driving down the road and someone sneezed on the sidewalk and now you have it because of, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's so silly to even think you're going to be able to to sue over a sickness or, or something like this. That's that's contagious. It, yeah, it's stupid. That's the realm we've crossed into, my friend, unfortunately. So that's where we are. Yeah. And so now, right, China, they're back again. Now, this is the first time I've seen China in the news in the last I don't know, two, three, four months right now. I'm just kidding. No, two or three, four weeks, something like that. So they have now sealed off a city of three and a half million people with the toughest ever coronavirus lockdown amid a second wave fear. OK, so they've sealed off. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, a room key. Uh, that's I'm sorry if I botched that. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to st- stick with the province. Um, yeah, it's it's the capital of the uh, Xinjiang province. Yeah. And they've recorded five new coronavirus cases. Five. Five. So five cases. They've got to lock down three and a half million people. Kind of. red. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's more than just five going on. Yeah. If you're doing if you're locking down three point five million. And by yeah. the way, whose standard are we going by as far as tougher lockdown? Uh, whose standard are we going? Are we going by North Korean standard? Because. That was pretty tough. They don't have a single case. They don't have a single case. 
So North Korea doesn't right, have any cases. They, they're the only right, country they, on they the planet. Yes, they're, they're the only country on the planet that's actually figured this one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're a woman. Being, we're also being facetious here. They, yes, completely. They executed the one guy. That was, the one guy. He, he was yeah. hauled out of a bathhouse immediately and taken uh-huh. care of. A woman, 24, who had a sore throat fever and a headache tested positive. Three people who she had come in contact with also tested positive, but did not show symptoms. The eastern province of Zhejiang also reported an asymptomatic case involving a traveler from Xinjiang. Okay, they've reported eight new cases of asymptomatics on Friday, taking the tallies or taking the province's tally to six infections and 11 asymptomatic cases. So, okay, again, this is this is what? Are these legitimate tests? Are these false positive tests? If they're locking down three and a half million, I find it very hard to believe they're doing this over a couple of handfuls of people. It's just not, it's not feasible. It's not feasible. Now, here's the question. Is it... Is it another disinformation campaign? Is that what we're seeing here? Because I get the feeling that's what we're seeing because you notice they're throwing these things out now. They're throwing, oh, we've got a lockdown here. You notice they tried a couple of lockdown articles, uh, a couple of lockdown procedures about three or four weeks ago. They even tried one with Beijing. It didn't fly. It, it didn't go anywhere. And you've still got largely travel bans uh, and, and international flights in some respects are still shut down. So this is, in my opinion, this is just stoking the fires of fear. What do you think? Could be an element of stoking the fires. I I, I think I don't think this is misinformation necessarily because it, it, misinformation is is a flat out lie. Right. Whereas disinformation is some truth. Or is yeah. my definition? Well, no, I, I okay. think, OK, I think it's disinformation. Yes, in that sense, because yeah. I believe that there are cases, but I don't believe they're taking it as seriously as what they're promoting. That's that. I kept, that's kind of where I was going with it. Yeah. And, and mine is um, uh, my argument is if it really is that bad, like it, that they have to lock everything down, like they're saying, that means it's more than just a handful of cases. That means there's a lot more there and they're only wanting to talk about the five. Uh, cases and and saying, you know, we're really strong against this. And it's kind of a propaganda thing, you know, and also showing the world that, hey, we, we have this under control uh, in a sense. So I, I think I think they're wanting to look strong and and competent. Well, yes, because the U.S. has handled this so poorly and clearly it shows. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So, yes, that's what it boils down to is exactly that. All right. So fresh lockdowns. Yes. Okay. All right. You mentioned yesterday about hospitals being overrun, and I'm still seeing things coming out about hospitals being overrun. You've got, you know, the usual fear mongering stuff coming out saying 940 deaths are reported in one day uh, as the U.S. shatters more records. And they're talking about hospitals being inundated with people and they're ordering more body bags and they've got mortuaries that are just jammed full. So if that's the case, then Where's the where's the video? Where's the photos? We see the hit piece articles, it seems like, but we don't see the actual bodies piling up. So where, where are all these numbers they're coming up with? Where, where are these hospitals that are being overrun? You know, you know, just as well as I do, that if you actually had a hospital that was jammed full of people, emergency rooms were overflowing and people were coming in by the car loads, there would be news cameras on it showing the world all day. You know, it would be there. But they're not. So how are they doing this? How are, are they just asserting it? I think, honestly, uh, they're, they're taking a narrative They're I, I think they're taking a narrative of, oh, the hospitals are at capacity, except it's the capacity of, you know, their current capacity. It's not their maximum capacity, kind of like what we talked about. Um, 
I, I still, I don't know. I, I just don't believe any of the hype that they're saying. The media, it's the media. They, they've lied to us how much now? Uh, for how well, many we, years? Yeah, and we showed just the Veritas. Just this presidency? Yes, and we showed the Veritas work where they talked about the hospitals that were overflowing. Do you remember that? Right. And they actually went yeah, in. They the had f- undercover cameras. They went in. They had the hospital staff get in their cars and go out and yeah. drive up to make it look like there was an overflow. And the waiting rooms were empty. Yep. You have similar cases yeah. in places like Wisconsin. You had doctors going in. They were showing up for their shift. They were showing up at the doors. There was a man in a hazmat suit taking his temperature. He was being told that he was walking into a war zone and they were laying people off. Yeah. Yeah. Or or how about do we do we remember the, the TikTok videos that were coming out? <laughs> yes, from yes, the, the uh, parties in the hospitals. hospitals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the hospitals. OK, yes, you, you have normal patients. They act like this is the only thing that's out there and you don't put people in the hospital for anything else. Do you know we actually sent people home the first the first time of this, like the first go around of this? We actually sent people home. We didn't give people the elective care that they needed because of covid. So how many deaths did we have as a result of that? How many people had to push their treatment back as a result of that particular agenda? So what we need to do is we need to reexamine this. We need to look at whether or not these are actually happening. That has to be what's called out here, not just taking it as face value, because the average person, I'm sorry to say, is probably just going to look at that article and say, oh, no, and they're going to get hit with that feeling of despair. It's all about that monopolization of perception like we talked about, right? That's what it is. They want you seeing things one way. They want you to see that the headlines of the hospitals are overrun. There's so many people. There's all these bodies. There's so many deaths. That's what they want you to see. They don't want you to see anything positive. You notice we haven't heard one positive thing out of the mainstream media? Nothing. Either side. I don't care which side you look at. We haven't heard one positive thing out of any of this. It's just cases, 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 cases. Nothing positive. Oh, don't worry, there's a vaccine. No mention of anything positive. No mention of any kind of health tips to boost your own immune system. No mention of any type of therapeutics that you can use. No mention of any kind of healthy lifestyle. In fact, they're closing things and facilities that will allow you to maintain a healthy lifestyle, not just physically, mentally spiritually, closing of churches, closing of schools, centers of learning. You can't be around the social structure of other children. We talked about the anxiety being up. The rate of suicides are off the charts. Someone asked me about suicides the other day, and I said, they're off the charts. They're, they're off the charts. But you'd never know if you didn't start looking and start digging around for statistics like we've done here. You'd never know that because everything's being counted as COVID. So it's important for people, and I was telling somebody this just a little while ago, it's important for people to do this, right? Because this person was uh, that I was talking to, they said that they're so fed up with everything. They're, they're so upset with everything that they're seeing. They're seeing the agendas on both sides being pushed in in one direction, respectively, to whichever side they, they take. And it's causing the division. There's no rational thought. There's no reasonable discussion between people. Everything's political. Nothing's practical. Nothing's science-based, true science-based. Nothing. Everything's turned into this political football game. And so they said they've just completely turned everything off. And when I started talking to this person, now, mind you, this is a person that I've disagreed with on politics all my life. And when I started talking and I, I was actually talking reasonably, not pigeonholing things and, and laying out ideas as opposed to looking at things one way and talking about what really needs to be done here. People need to be engaged in discourse now. They need to be looking at information. They need to be piecing things together. They need to be thinking critically. You need to be extrapolating ideas 
so you can think for yourself because the power structure is banking on the fact that you're going to get frustrated. You're going to walk away and you're not going to have any will to want to care or fight back in any shape or form. So you just turn everything off. You bury your head in the sand. Well, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the situation at all. We need to be having the conversations that we're being told not to have. That's the point. So we've got to get out of this divisive way of thinking. We've got to get out of this this agenda that's being forced upon us. This isn't something that we ch- we've chosen as a society, as whatever respective country you come from. These are things that have been forced upon us, and it's our responsibility as well-informed, self-educated, good-minded, responsible individuals to break through that and to push back on it intellectually with each other and have those conversations. I agree. Um, the, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons we started the podcast, right? We want people to be able to sit down and have a conversation with one another and and realize that, well, and, and also, you know, trying to get people to wake up and look around, think for themselves. Mm-hmm. When you, when you sit down and talk with people on the left, like and I'm, I'm not talking the, the crazy, you know, uh, Antifa type, right? When it's it just like your, your, your normal Democrat, there's quite a few things you guys do uh, agree on. Yeah. The, the, the difference is how you want to address it. You know, you see the same problem, but addressing it is a little different. You know, I mean, Democrats typically are larger government, right? Bigger government. So they they right. tend to lean more towards government involvement. Classically, the Republicans were the opposite of that. But nowadays, they're the same party. And, you know, uh, which is why I'm... <laughs> I'm done with both parties, but yeah, yeah, anyway. me as well. You know, I, I actually I had somebody tell me two days ago that and I actually haven't told you this yet. I actually had somebody tell me two days ago that since they've started listening to us, they just started listening to us about a week ago. And they said because they've and they don't they're one of these people that don't care. Right. They're one of these people that don't care about politics or any of the stuff that's going on. And they actually told me that because they're one of the frustrated people. Right. They're one of these people that have, mm-hmm. that have tuned everything out. And they say by listening to us and, I, and I'm not trying to yank our chain here and, and and you know, do all that stuff because we don't have big egos. We're very humble people. I don't look at myself like that. I know none of us, none of the rest of us do. You know, we sit here and we do the best we can with this as, as the only way we know how. And by all of you listening, I mean, that that alone is is a confidence boost in and of itself because you like what we have to say. Uh, And we're very humbled and and very thankful for that. So thank you all very much. But I actually had somebody tell me a couple of days ago that they actually, by listening to us, they actually want to care, if that makes sense. Like by Mm -hmm. them listening Mm -hmm. to us and hearing us talk about the things we talk about, the energy we have behind it and the thought we put into it, it actually makes them feel like, hey, wait a minute, there's really something to care about here. Right. There's really something that we need to preserve here. And there, there's all these people that are just dismissing it. See, that's the kind of attitude that people have to have. You have to provoke rational thought in somebody's head and let people know that there is more than just one way. Nothing can be one way. You notice that you have two different opposing points of view on the television, but they both have only one solution. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. So we can't go through and have civil discourse as a respective country in in any country having this type of mentality. It's got to be the diversification of ideas. Always. It's always got to be that. And we don't have to agree on everything. We get seven out of ten. We're good. We we don't have to agree on everything. So anyway, I don't know how we ended up down that that line, but uh, but we just did. (laughs) 
So it's yeah. well, it's it, we're talking about all this debate over uh, these these mask things. And it's you know, you've got one side saying, well, you know, just go about doing whatever it is you're doing. And then you've got these people that are using it as, as a political game. And it's it's completely crazy. Yeah, it's making people yeah. crazy. It's making people crazy. So it's got to stop. It's got to stop. OK, agreed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm only going to talk about this because it's just too damn funny. All right. Cops hunt a bank robber who told the teller he didn't get a covid stimulus check and would start shooting if he didn't get the cash. Hmm. Interesting. The Houston Police Department is searching uh, crime in Houston. Never would have guessed the Houston Police Department is searching for a man who robbed a Wood Forest National Bank uh, at 9700 Hillcroft Avenue in Texas, in Houston, Texas, on July 8th. They have a picture here of the handwritten note. I, man, he doesn't have very good handwriting. The man told the teller he wanted to make a withdrawal and he handed over a handwritten note. The note that was written on a piece of notebook paper said, I didn't get a stimulus or that 10K loan. I lost my business because of COVID, so please make this easy and comply. I don't want to hurt nobody, but I will if I have to. Any suspicious moves, and I will start shooting, so please get me my, go get my money. Don't make anything noticeable. So the teller, I guess, didn't see a weapon, uh, and she was scared. She handed the or she she handed an undisclosed amount of cash to the suspect, prompting him to run away uh, with cash in both hands. Police said a vehicle is not seen to be involved in the robbery. Uh, surveillance footage shows the, uh, the man with a hoodie hoodie pulled over his head and a black True Religion. Ran Letterman jacket. Was he wearing a mask? <laughs> yes, he was. Right. <laughs> so I guess that's, he's a peaceful uh, protester, right? I, I guess he's a peaceful protester. That's actually how they're supposed to respond as a teller, by the way. Yes. Um, yes. Just hand it over because yeah, there is nothing. Yeah. There is nothing. And anybody that works in customer service or anybody that works in a bank that's listening, there is nothing in this world. No matter whether it's cash or merchandise or whatever, there is nothing that's worth more than your life. So mm -hmm. always comply. Always comply. Just give them what they ask for and let them go. Right. Banks have insurance. Companies have insurance. They can take the loss. You can't get your life back. So just hand it over. And that's not a that's not a threat from a robbery. <laughs> just hand it over. <laughs> Usually I think about what I say, but not apparently not uh, that time. But yeah. Yeah. Well. The, the other thing is, too, is ironically enough, these uh, uh, business protection loans that uh, were sent out by the Fed. Yeah, the, the banking industry made uh, $14.4 billion on that. Huh. You know, is that all? Fees and everything. Yeah. Is that no, all? Yeah, just, just with fees. Yeah. So yeah, okay. um, saying that they can't handle, a, you know, $1,000 or so, you know, I, I forget the exact number. I mean, it probably varies by bank, but I'm wanting to say it's like up to 10,000. I think the tellers have. Uh -huh. So, I mean, that's not worth a life. You know, you, you don't you don't fight that kind of thing. It's too dangerous. Uh, so. Let's talk Portland. What's going on in Portland? Is there a Chaz in Portland? So I'm not sure if it's officially a Chaz or if this is a Portland's been having these Antifa riots for a quite some time multiple years in fact yeah it's been a couple of years the, um, the incident with the proud boys was like two years ago yeah so i i, I don't know i haven't heard anything about a, a another Chaz cropping up effectively it is essentially a Chaz there but uh in in parts of portland but yeah says here that federal law enforcement use unmarked vehicles to grab up protesters off the portland streets well if the city's not gonna do it and you've got people that are out there smashing up stuff and law and order is breaking down. What are you supposed to do? We let the city of Seattle, we let those people run wild with it. And you watch what happened. So what? How many people got killed that we know of? Four? Four people got killed. And for what? For what? 
The mayor of Portland has come out and said, we do not need or want their help. Well, then get a handle on it, is what I say. If you have a situation in your city that's out of control and you've got thugs running around and and they're they're causing mayhem, they're harassing business people, they're beating people up, there are assaults, there's robberies, then if you blatantly ignore that, which quite frankly, it looks like what's going on here. Uh, if you blatantly ignore that, well, then you have to step in. I, I'm sorry, but that's kind of what you have to do. Uh, and you have to make sure that these people are brought to justice, because if if the states are not going to do it, if the cities are not going to do it, then does it fall to the feds? Does it fall to the feds? Because if the community is looking for law and order to be restored and it's not, then I'm sorry. I, th- I think in my opinion, I think Trump has to step in here. Or, or am I wrong? What, what do you think? Because I don't like it when the feds get involved in state stuff. I don't like that. But if you have mayors and governors and city council people that refuse, they flat out refuse and they side with the people in the streets. They enable mm-hmm. the people in the streets. They foster the agendas at the top to enable the people at the grassroots to menace the public. And you have a breakdown of law and order and they defund police and they call for the disbanding of police. They shut down your businesses. They shut down your churches. They fine you if you come out of your house, but they excuse this kind of behavior. I think the feds have to step in. It's interesting how uh, the left pulls out the Constitution and says, you can't do this. It's unconstitutional. Only when it benefits them. Uh, in this case, um, let's be equal the, with it. the Sediction Act gives them, you know, the Insurrection right Act. Yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah. Insurrection. Yeah. This OK. Yeah. All right. Sedition. So the ins- well, it is sedition. Yeah. But the Insurrection Act. Mm-hmm. Essentially, either way, insurrection, sedition, same thing, in my opinion, in in this case anyway. But this is essentially I mean, this is what you have to do. If you're Trump, this is what you have to do. I'm sorry. And and to be quite fair, you know, he's he's what he's doing, um, which do we know if this was ordered by justice or not? I mean, do we even know that they're not saying they're saying that this is I mean, they are saying it's DHS uh, that's involved. Uh-huh. They're saying that it's Chad. Let me let me find it again. It says they're seeing guys in camp. This is this is what we're being told from from the uh, the reports that are coming out of there. They're saying that they're seeing people in camo, grabbing people up, throwing them in vans. They're talking about how it's terrifying to hear that, that, that that's going on. Well, don't be out there breaking the law. Federal law enforcement officers have been using unmarked vehicles to drive around downtown Portland, detain protesters since at least July 14th, so the last 72 hours. Personal accounts had multiple videos posted online showing officers driving up to people, detaining individuals with no explanation of why they are being arrested and driving off. They're saying that the tactic appears to be another escalation uh, in federal force deployed on the the Portland city streets as federal officials and President Donald Trump have said they plan to quell nightly protests outside of the federal courthouse in the Multnomah County Justice Center that have lasted for more than six weeks. Okay, so it says that they've snatched up at least 13 people and charged them with crimes related to the protests so far. So, yeah, I see how the left is. Sorry. Yeah, I see how they're. No, no, you're right. I, I see how they're skewing it. I see how they're skewing it, but they're, they're making it look like, uh, you know, federal officers are the bad guys here. They're not. They're in there to try and stop this mm-hmm. because the city's doing nothing. I personally believe that the situation in Chaz in Seattle, that should have been stopped before it even started. That should have been stopped. Granted. OK, so if I were president, right, I would have allowed them a short window of time to say, OK, you guys handle this yourself. You're the state, you know, mm-hmm state or local level, you handle it and give them a chance to ask for help. Yeah, sure, sure. But once once that time's up, you come in with an iron fist. 
because this kind of thing, when you start threatening people's lives, destroying people's livelihoods and creating an autonomous zone, you know, government's bad. OK, except now when you start doing that stuff, that's what the government's for. That's what I expect the military and law enforcement and everything to keep from happening. So when it does happen and you have these guys trying to do this, iron fist time. So, yes, you give them time. You give the cities and the states time to do this. But instead, in in Washington, in that case, we saw the opposite, didn't we? It was. Yep. Well, uh, we're 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 going to call this the summer of love, <laughs> uh-huh. which was completely ridiculous. We're going to call this the summer of love. Uh, we're going to enable this. We're going to give them things that they need. We're going to give them uh, mm. restroom facilities. We're going to give them washing facilities. We're going to give them donations such as tents, sleeping bags, uh, things like that. We're going to make sure mm-hmm. that you have donations such as Ben and Jerry's coming in to give out free ice cream to support the cause. Domino's Pizza was giving free, free stuff. So they were enabling this as opposed to shutting it down. And as a result, you had that we know of four people were murdered. Four people were murdered in Seattle. Where is the accountability for the mayor's office? Yeah, with love. Yeah, sure. Where's the yeah. accountability mm-hmm. for the mayor's office? Where's the accountability for the city council? Where's the accountability for the governor? Any of this. Where is that? It's not there. They see the types of groups that they enable. They see the results that that produces, and they don't want to take accountability for that. They are not personally responsible. They own that. And to be honest with you, I think I think this is another reason why the feds didn't step in on Seattle, because if they did that, then yes, you, you could have shut that down, but then they could lay those four on the feds as opposed to them just walking away from it now. Regardless, regardless, the people that enabled that situation and allowed it to spiral the way that it did, they own that. And you notice they don't want any part of it. They're not taking any accountability no. for that. What of the people that were in that exclusion zone, that six to eight block exclusion zone. What about their businesses that won't reopen? What about the residents in there that were traumatized, that were left to fend for themselves, that were abandoned by their city officials that they probably voted for, I might add? What of them? You think they're going to vote for these people next time around? I doubt it. Honestly, I think they should uh, sue the state and city. They should. Yeah. But I'm not. Sh- well, it should be a class action suit. Yeah, I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway. All right. So the uh, the protesters in Portland, since we're talking about uh, the street fair, uh, the street, fa- excuse me, the protesters, since we're talking about that, they felt like Bruce, they felt like they were being preyed upon. They, they felt like they were being targeted. Hmm. They were terrified. Just like uh, just like the people that uh, they were you know, assaulting and beating and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. destroying businesses. They didn't feel terrified at all. They weren't concerned for their life or concerned. Hmm. One protester said that he was terrified. It seemed like it was out of a horror or sci-fi like Philip K. Dick novel. It felt like I was being preyed upon. Hmm. Good. I think it's good. Feel that way. Good. And, and and spread the narrative to your, your buddies and your fellow comrades, your fellow travelers, because... You should be scared of uh, having the government come in and uh, with an iron fist. When you start doing this kind of thing and rioting and destroying people's livelihoods and 
yeah, you should be terrified of the recourse that's going to that happen. Yeah. He said that he still does not know what he was under arrest for. He doesn't know who arrested him or rather what happened to him legally qualifies as an arrest. See, he knows what's an arrest and what isn't. Right. See, he, he knows that uh, the federal officers mm-hmm. who snatched him off the streets as he was walking home from a peaceful protest right, mm. did not tell him why he had been detained or provide him with any record of an arrest. As far as he knows, he's not been charged with any crime. See, this is all injustice, Bruce. You see this? This is all injustice. Mm -hmm. He was Mm -hmm. simply walking home from a peaceful protest, minding his own business, and he was just snatched up off the side of the street and thrown into a into a van by a bunch of masked up guys. Mm-hmm. He was kidnapped, right? Yeah. Senator Ron Wyden of uh, Oregon has come out and said, this is a quote, a peaceful protester in Portland was shot in the head by one of Donald Trump's secret police. <laughs> uh, he wrote this in a tweet uh, and he called out uh, the acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf. Quote from uh, Senator as well. Now Trump and Chad Wolf are weaponizing the DHS as their own occupying army to provoke violence on the streets of my hometown because they think it plays well with the right wing media. Okay, first of all, a peaceful protester, what they're calling a peaceful protester. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for peaceful protests. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to go out there and you're going to stand up and you're going to you're going to protest something peacefully. You're going to shout at the top of your lungs, whatever. If it's a just cause, guess what? I'm going to stand there with you. But if you're going to go out, I'm not not during COVID. I'm not. Okay. All right. Yeah. What they're considering to be a peaceful protester, these are the ones that are out there rioting. These are the ones that are out there burning things. These are the ones that are out there smashing up local businesses, harassing business owners, tormenting people that walk down the streets, vilifying, shaming and humiliating people that don't wear masks in public. That's what they consider to be a peaceful protester. Trump and Chad Wolf are weaponizing the DHS as their own occupying army. The occupying army is Antifa. The occupying army were the riots that you were seeing in the streets three, four weeks ago. The ones that are out there standing with the ones in the streets, the ones that are out there enabling the ones in the streets, the politicians, the governors, the mayors, the city council people, the ones that are fostering this agenda to enable and fuel those riots. That is the occupying army. That's the occupying army. The ones that are seeking to overthrow our very way of life. That's the occupying army in the streets. Not someone who goes out there to arrest someone who's breaking the law when a city or a state refuses to enforce it. That's not an occupying army. Clearly, you just hate freedom. <laughs> yes, I hate freedom. Yes. I, I, yeah, I hate freedom. Yeah, sure. This plays well in the right wing media. Well, you know, we talked about the media and, and I, I have made my stance on those clear. Like I said, you've got two opposing points of view and both of them have one way to get to where they want to go. I don't like either one of them. Uh, Now, does it play well in the right wing media? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, is that there are people that don't see political lines here. There are those of us that want to see law and order restored. We want peace. We want justice. We want to be able to live our lives peacefully. We want to exist in our communities and take care of our families. We don't really give a damn about a media agenda. Most people, as I said, are walking away from that. What people want is for the madness to stop. That's what they want. And so to come out and placate like you're somebody that's out there fighting the good fight and you're you're calling out, uh, you know, a federal officer for being a secret police, a secret army, whatever. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. Own it. Stand up, Senator. Take responsibility. 
take responsibility for the groups that you're enabling that are out there in your streets burning down your hometown. How about you come out and condemn what they're doing without taking the side of the federal officers? You don't have to do that. But how about you just roundly condemn the type of behavior that they're out there emitting? How about you do that? I mean, I I would love for the politicians to, you know, stand for law and order and the Constitution and all that stuff. And uh, obviously they're not. So my question is, is what were you people thinking when you elected them in the first place? You knew these people were Marxists or far leftists. Kind of, I don't know, you know, why'd you elect them? It's kind of my question, you know, just are, are you guys in that? General. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm baffled at how they got elected and how they, in some cases, are getting reelected. Let's end on some election stuff, because we apparently we have an election coming up soon. You'd never know that. But uh, apparently we have an election yeah. coming up soon. OK, uh, Biden still hasn't picked a VP. It's getting kind of late in the game here. He's got to pick somebody. Is he going to pick Elizabeth Warren? Maybe. With as far left as they're going now, they kind of need someone that's, um, you know, socialist uh, with as far left as they're trying to go. I don't know that Biden is far left enough. He is, you know, far left, but he's more like I think of him more as like mafia type. He's corrupt and does, you know, the backroom deals and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think he's necessarily for the whole socialist thing because he likes his money. I don't know how well that'll work for him, though. Having Warren on there, he won't get the moderate vote. I don't think. Well, I think that they're hoping to score the moderate vote just by him alone. J- just by him alone, I think they're hoping to score the moderate vote, which some people might f- might do that uh, and some people might not. But I mean, you've heard this guy. And like I said, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and make fun of the guy because I, I'm seeing a real cognitive issue here. There's a real neurological problem. Mm-hmm. The guy can't string a, a sentence together. And it's really sad. It's really sad. So yeah. I'm not I'm not going to make fun of the guy for that. But there's plenty of Joe Biden that I don't like, most notably the corruption. Right. That's that's the that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this particular aspect they're looking at, though, they're looking at how Elizabeth Warren and her stances have helped shape what Joe Biden is doing. Biden's endorsed Warren's bankruptcy proposal, which includes student debt relief, which means a cancellation of student debt. Right. That's that's all they're looking for there. About a week later, he tweeted about increasing Social Security checks by two hundred dollars a month and for giving a maximum of ten thousand dollars a person in federal student loans, uh, which honestly, I, I think they'll do that as an initial step. They'll say, well, we just want to get rid of this a little bit right here and then they'll cancel it totally. See, they would rather have. Well, what do you hear people like Bernie touting all the time? Free college, right? Free college. You got to have free college. So, yes, they want all that. Uh, to be knocked out of the box. Social security checks increased by $200 a month. Look, I know people that live on social security in the United States. It's real. I mean, you're 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 barely making it. You know, you're, you're barely making it. Yeah. So if they wanted to give a bump in social security, OK, fine. Social security in the United States, they've been sending out IOUs for social security checks in the U.S. for 30 years. <laughs> so there's yeah. no money there anyway. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, just 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 do it right to take an AOC line. Well, you just do. Right. You just do. Right. Right. For his build back better economic recovery plan. I didn't know this. What? We can't make it great again. So we have to build back better. Okay, he's taking a line from Trump and kind of using similar policies. I'm I'm wondering if he's he's doing speaking the narrative uh, similar to Trump to try to get the Trump voter, uh, try to pull them over. Uh, That's kind of what it feels like. But honestly, what I would love to see. Uh, and and when when Trump really starts target, targeting uh, Biden, you don't have to go after Biden more specifically. You don't have to go against Joseph Robinette Biden. What you need to go after is Hunter and Biden will uh, he'll melt down like he'll he'll destroy himself. 
So yeah, you don't really have to target him. Just let him uh, self-destruct. That's true. That's true. Specifically, the procurement uh, invested in a focus on green manufacturing. You notice he's come back out with this now. He's talking about green energy, green jobs, green this. That's Warren right mm-hmm. there. That's her yeah. platform was yeah. the Green New Deal. It's always been about the Green New Deal for her. He's picked up the Green New Deal agenda. We've talked about the Green New Deal here. That's terrible. If you haven't yeah. learned what the Green New Deal is, I would highly recommend that you go and you search for that legislation. We did a two-part podcast here on it. We broke each part of it down called the Green New Deal Part 1 and Part 2. We did two hours on it, specifically targeted at the Green New Deal. We talked every single aspect of it, and it's horrifying. It is not about green energy. It's not about green energy. These are the policies that he's adopting. And this is, again, this is where Warren is coming in. This is why they're saying it could possibly be her, because he's picked up these particular points. She has championed each one of those things. You know, the free college, the green jobs, the Social Security checks, the forgiveness of student loans, right? These policies that, that she's been championing in the past, he has been picking these up. So, I mean, they're saying it could be her. I I don't know. But I think she's too far. She's too far left. Uh, And of course, she doesn't. She does. Obviously, she fits the uh, the woman. Is she is she a woman of color because of because (laughs) Uh, because she's she's a Native Native American. American. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, she fits the criteria if that's if that's indeed the case. I I don't think you're going to get the uh, that's not going to endear the Native Americans to you. Now, I imagine the vote isn't as big for the Native Americans, so maybe they don't care. Maybe they're thinking it'll work with this new person of color thing they're pushing now. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what their motive is there. You know what? I hope that uh, Dr. Um, Ray up in uh, Massachusetts, I hope he actually wins because he's running against her for her Senate seat. And he's a, he's not Native American, but he's from India. His like his family's from India, and his campaign is the real Indian versus the fake Indians. <laughs> I I hope he actually wins. I, I hope he wins because he's like I said it. Like I said in the beginning, he still hasn't picked a VP candidate yet. Because me personally, I don't think he's going to be the candidate. He hasn't been specifically named as the nominee yet, has he? No one's called that out yet. He's not the nominee for the DNC. They haven't had the convention. They picked the nominee at the DNC. Same with Trump, too, if you haven't noticed. He has the delegates, but at the RNC, they have to vote for him. And you notice they're trying to roll back on the actual convention on both sides, on both sides. The Democrats want a virtual convention because they don't want Biden on the ticket. The Republicans want a virtual convention because they don't want Trump on the ticket. The power structure wants to flush both of them, and they don't want crowds there to be able to push back on it to voice their displeasure, shall we say. I can see that. As far as the Biden part, though, the the difficulty they're going to be running into is who else are they going to pick? I mean, there's nobody else that's really that's going to get the moderate vote and is going to appease the the far left at the same time. There's two... Who would they pick? This is just my call. This is my call. Uh-huh. This is this is just my call. This is my opinion. I have nothing to back this up with. This is just what's working in my own head. Hillary Clinton as the nominee, Barack Obama as the vice. You want the far left, you want the moderate, there you go. But Hillary's hated, even on the left. That's the thing. Is- that is the problem. Yes, that is, that is yeah. the catch-22 of it. Yes, you're right. So I, I can't. But if she has Obama on the ticket to back her up, then that could possibly, you see what I'm saying? You see how I'm trying to work this here? Like that's that's what's working. Yeah, in mind. yeah. It, it's possible. I'm not. I'm not even really sure if Hillary has the uh, the the gumption or the wherewithal to try to run again. 
after that uh, resounding defeat. And well, she wants round two would be. This is why. No, see, this is why they want to they want to slip it in there at the end. Right. They, They want to do it. They want to do it virtually with no one on the unopposed on the ticket, no crowds. And she's in. And then with the massive mail-in voting campaign uh, and everything, because we've got cats that have been dead for 12 years, they get ballots mailed to them. Right. So if we've got the massive voter fraud on both sides, you're not going to get it on one side. I hate to tell you that. You get massive voter fraud and you can sway enough of these states and you can keep up the agenda of COVID. You can keep up the agenda, which is all political. You keep up the agenda of that. You keep up the economic numbers that are plunging. You keep businesses shut down. You keep the, the chaos happening in the streets. And what do you have? Massive voter fraud. And people are so frustrated. What do they do? They walk away. They don't come out to vote. I can assure you the extremist fringe elements in American society are going to vote. They always vote. They always vote four, five, six, and even seven times. So it's our responsibility as responsible citizens to put forth our vote. We have to vote. And if we don't vote, if we stay home, this is my biggest concern, is people will not go out to vote. They'll stay home. Because they're so frustrated, they just say all the hell with it. If which we do that, which is exactly what they want. You're, you're absolutely right. That's yeah. exactly what they want. If you do that, if you take that stance, if you refuse to vote, if you stay home on Election Day, then we deserve everything we get. You're handing the country over to the extremist elements, no matter where it comes from, no matter what side it comes from. You're handing it over to the anarchists. And then you'll wish to God you went out to vote. Unfortunately, we are out of time today, Bruce. I do. I do apologize. I would love to sit here and continue on with this. I really would, because an hour is just not enough time some days. It really isn't. Um, right. It's not. It's it's not. It's like we start. Yeah. And it's like, OK, are we really we're done already? You know, <laughs> can, we, yeah. can we just get a little more time, time flies? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we step out of here today? No, I think uh, I think we covered it. Yeah. Okay. For those who have not and you would like to, please do give us a follow over on the platform of Parler. It's just like Twitter, but it's a little bit more uh, friendly. You don't have the mobs. Twitter's got a little bit of a problem right now, I think. Something about hacking and Jack Dorsey might be headed out the door. I- I'm not sure. But but something is uh, something's afoot over there. I'm not quite sure what it is. Parler's had an issue the last few days. Hashtags are not working or something. I- I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it's been awful quiet over there the last few days. But nonetheless, uh, you can give us a follow over there. We do like getting all of your feedback, all your comments, your likes, your upvotes, uh, things like that. We do appreciate it. Uh, and we do respond to all of the feedback and all of the lines that you do drop us. So please do give us a follow over there. You can follow me. I'm at Jay Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. We really appreciate hearing from you as a listener. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.